Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, and um, definitely a fitting passage of scripture for the day that we're living in. And um, we'll read a couple verses from the third chapter of Second Peter, and I try to give you what the Lord's placed on our heart. And I thank the Lord for this precious book of the Word of God. Second Peter chapter three. We might read several verses just. Uh, get the context of the scripture here, and um, we'll go ahead and begin reading in verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come... In the last days, scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And no doubt we're seeing uh, that fulfilled right before our very eyes today. For this they willingly are ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Earth also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? We'll read verse 11 one more time. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Oh my, as I was looking at this passage of scripture tonight, God began to uh, work in my heart. And in the first part of the chapter, God is answering the scoffers and uh, the apostle Peter and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He is answering those that are questioning the validity of the return of Christ. And there, God told us that in the last days that uh, there would be mockers. And oh, how we are living in those days tonight. Uh, if you turn on the radio, you listen to the television and uh, you spend much time just listening to the media of the day, if you just forget about all of that and just listen to the so-called Christian commentators of the day, you will hear a whole lot of mocking going on, mocking of the things of God, mocking of biblical principles, mocking of, of doctrines that have been preached and believed in the Word of God. And it seems like the world, whether they're religious or not, is full of those uh, that are mocking and, and making fun and, and making light uh, 
of the Word of God. And especially when it comes to this matter of the Lord Jesus Christ returning one day soon. And it seems like people are mocking that more and more. Uh, just this past summer when we were up there in uh, Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, preacher on all through the city. And y'all remember it was right in the middle of, of the, the height of that first wave of the pandemic that was going through. And all through the city, there was these, in the middle of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, big old billboards. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the city, you go down the main street there and on both sides and, and you'd see these big old billboards and it would, and basically the, the top line of that billboard said, this is not the end. This is not, uh, and it went on to list four or five different biblical words. This is not a pestilence. This is not a plague. This is not judgment. And, it, and, and around the bottom, paid for by atheists of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I mean, all over, around the city, you'd see those, those billboards in different places. And what are they doing? They're making mockery of the Word of God because, see, God's told us already that all these things are going to take place in the last days. You open up your Bible tonight and read Matthew chapter 24, and you can put that right, like Brother Allen used to say, you can put that right beside your most recent newspaper, and it's more up to date than the most recent newspaper you can read tonight. Oh, dear friend, the disciples were wondering when the end of all things was going to happen, and Christ is answering a lot of questions in Matthew 24. A lot of it is dealing with the nation of Israel, but God does give us uh, some signs when things are beginning to take place. What shall be the sign of thy coming? Oh, and dear friend, we are seeing the signs of the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ before our very eyes. Wars and rumors of wars, pestilences and earthquakes and in diverse places. And, and dear friend, we can look around today and we can see those things taking place in our world. And God tells us that in the last days that there would be scoffers walking after their own lust. And this is what they're saying. Where is the promise of his coming? And then in verse 5, God tells us, for this they willingly are ignorant. If you can look around today and, and still have a question mark in your mind about uh, the truth of the Word of God and whether or not we're living in the very end of the end of the end of the very last days. If you've got a question about that in your mind tonight, if you're making fun of the return of Christ, then simply you're willfully ignorant. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. The reason why you're ignorant about these things is because you want to be ignorant. And say a lost and a dying world ain't excited about Jesus coming back. They don't want Him to come back. Even if He is coming back... A whole lot of carnal Christians would rather him not come back either. And God help us today to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. If we could, I mean, if God's people would start looking for the blessed hope, if we would get eternity in view, what a difference that would make in our churches and our lives. Oh, that we live down here. And God said that they're willingly ignorant. And God begins to deal with those questions that they're rising and, and, and the Lord gives some encouragement to his people. But God answers that question in verse 9. And you folks know this, but the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. He's not slack concerning his promise. He's not lazy. He's not laid back about it. Thank God he's not slack concerning his promise. A lot of times I misquote that verse of scripture and uh, and Brother Gilbert, I'll say the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. And I'm glad that there's not one promise that God is slack about, but he didn't say promises in verse 9. He said the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. 
has some man. What promise is he talking? He's talking about the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, he is not slack concerning that promise. Behold, he that shall come, he will come and he will not tarry. He said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Dear friend, he's not going to tarry. The Lord's not slack. God, oh my, he's not up in heaven just, just you know, so to speak, just twiddling his thumbs and wondering when he, no, he is waiting, dear friend, that coming, it's even at the door and Christ is ready to come back just waiting from the word from the Father. And what a blessing that's going to be. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but then God tells us why he has not returned yet. Oh, yeah, he's not slack. Here's why. But he's long-suffering. But he's long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now listen, if God, in his mercy, according to Scripture, the only reason why he hasn't come back yet is because he's not willing that any should perish. Because of the long-suffering and the mercy and the forbearance of God. And if God's not willing that any should perish, how can we be willing that folks die and go to hell without the gospel? And all oh my, the apathy among, among myself and among our churches and among Christians of our day today, it's, it's heartbreaking. And if it breaks my heart and if it breaks your heart, you got to believe it breaks God's heart. The only reason why Christ hasn't come back yet He's not tarrying. He's bold. He that shall come, he will not tarry. He's going to come. He's not just waiting, but God is taking this step and he's allowed a space of grace to go on in these days and these years and these generations of mercy and long-suffering and forbearance. And it's because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh my, if you're here this evening and never been born again, if you've never been saved, what are you waiting for, dear friend? I mean, what in the world are you waiting for? You say, well, Brother Sam, I'm worried about what people are going to say about me. And I've been in church all my life. And listen, dear friend, it ain't worth playing games with eternity. It's not worth playing games with your never dying soul. Oh, my, tonight, God help us to get a grasp of just how close we are to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. But we realize in verse 10, yes, God is long-suffering. And he is not willing the name should perish. And that's why he hasn't come back. But there is coming a day, God said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. There is coming a day when that door of grace is going to shut. Oh, there is coming a day when the last message is going to be preached. The last altar call is going to be played. The last invitation is going to be given. The last gospel track passed out. And dear friend, of the last sermon delivered in this dispensation of the grace of God. Oh, but the day of the Lord will come. It will come. Oh, as a thief in the night. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then. Now God's done speaking to the, to the lost and giving them encouragement about getting right with God and getting saved. God turns the focus here to the people of God. And he said, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Say, Brother Samuel, what is that talking about? Shall be dissolved. Well, God just said that it's going to be a fervent heat. And then the earth and the works that are therein 
shall be burned up. See, you know, everyone out there is talking about global warming. And, and uh, that, like there's something we can do to fix it. And I believe in global warming, but there ain't nothing we can do to fix it. See, there's coming a day when God, in His judgment, is going to consume this earth with an exceeding and a great fervent heat. And the works that are therein shall be burned up. God told us in Isaiah uh, chapter 65, verse 17, He said, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. He said, I create new heavens and a new earth. After the rapture takes place, after the people of God are pulled out of this mess, the seven-year tribulation period begins as God pours His judgment out on an ungodly, sin-cursed, sin-loving world. Oh, and then dear friend, Christ will come back at the end of that tribulation period and we'll get to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. At the end of that there'll be a final rebellion and then at that moment God is going to destroy this old mud ball once and for all. And God said it will be consumed with an exceeding great and fervent heat. Can I ask you a question tonight? If all you're living for, if you're here and you're lost, and all you're living for is what this world has to offer. Oh, you're living, dear friend, for just a a fleeting moment. You're living, dear friend, for just, you're building your house on the quicksand of this life. But there's coming a day when it'll all be consumed. People of God, oh, brethren, tonight, if your focus today is more on the things of this world than on the things of eternity, if if you're more focused and concerned with what's going on down here than opposed to what God has for us to do while we're here, then we're just building on sand. Yeah, the people of God, oh, sometimes we can even get our minds off of what God has for us. And God said, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. I mean, one day there's not going to be a Rossville, Georgia. One day there's not going to be a Chattanooga and a Fort Oval. One day all these things are going to be dissolved. Oh, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. I mean, the houses that God's blessed us with, the cars that we like to keep nice and clean and shiny when, when, when it's not raining, and, and, and the yards we like to mow, and, and the jobs that we're thankful for, and, and, and the pay raises that God gives us every once in a while, the different blessings of life. Thank God for those things. But there's coming a day when all these things shall be dissolved. All these things shall be dissolved. And and because of that, God has some admonition for the people of God. He said, What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Read verse 12 with me. Looking for looking for and hastening under the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise will look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm excited. I mean, that gets me excited. Amen. Oh, that gets me excited. One day about that new heaven and that new earth. In verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. Look what God said. He said, Be diligent that ye may be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless. Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. And what the the Word of God is telling us this evening, what God was telling these believers back here is the Holy Ghost used the Apostle Peter to write to them. He was saying, realizing, seeing, understanding that all these things shall be dissolved. One day it's not even going to matter. All these temporal things of life. God said, because you're looking for such things, be diligent. If there's anything 
that my generation has a struggle with. I, I, just Christian walk that I struggle with, and I believe a lot of people of God struggle with. It's a matter of being diligent about the things of God. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for, seeing that, I mean, if we believe the word of God tonight, and we believe, dear friend, that there's a whole lot more than just what's going on down here. Amen. And seeing that we look for, we believe there's coming a happy day when Christ is going to return. We believe there's going to be a great white throne judgment where sinners are going to stand before God, many unwarned, but all condemned. Oh, seeing that we look for such things, seeing that we believe the word of God, what we believe, if we really believe it, will affect our actions. God said, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Some things we need to be diligent about. Oh, we need to be diligent about our service. We need to be diligent about our service. Romans chapter 12. Oh, God said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. And be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dear friend, listen, living for the Lord and, 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 and giving to the work of God and being involved in what God has us to be involved with. Dear friend, it's just our reasonable service. And God, help us to be diligent as we see the time is drawn near. Oh, dear friend, God, help us to be diligent in our service. God's not looking for a dead sacrifice. Oh, he said, oh, uh, present our bodies unto God, a living sacrifice. All those years in the temple sacrifice system and, and the blood, the historians tell us, would flow out of Jerusalem like a river. They would kill so many lambs during the Day of Atonement and during Passover. But dear friend, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, oh, which taketh away the sin of the world. No more lambs need to be killed anymore. God's not looking for a dead sacrifice. Jesus died and paid the sin debt. But what he is looking looking for. He's looking for a living sacrifice. He's looking for a living sacrifice. I heard a man of God make this statement a couple months back. He said, God wants a living sacrifice. He said, the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it has a tendency to wander off. It's still living. Oh my, that statement made an impact on my heart. Oh, you think about that. That's, that really is the only, I mean, if, if the sacrifice is dead, it ain't going anywhere. His blood's been shed, but God's looking for a living sacrifice. And we, as the people of God, we have a tendency to wander off and go our own way and forget we've been bought with a price. Oh, we need to be glorifying God in our body. God, help us to be diligent about our service. Listen, it's the least we can do. Christ told the disciples, he said, when you have done all these things, he said, say you, say you are unprofitable servants. For we've done that which was our duty to do. Oh, God help us. My flesh is so rotten and good for nothing. I mean, if God ever gives me grace to do something for him, and God gives me enough help to go ahead and crucify the flesh and, and do what God's asked me to do, you will preach you the first thing my flesh wants to do. Oh, man, look what I did for God. But the, I mean, the Lord already set the, he already, I mean, made it really, really clear. He said, oh, we're just supposed to say, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've done that which was my duty to do. I've done that which was my duty. And God, help us to be diligent Oh, about our service. God, help us to be diligent about the secret place. Oh, my. 
If there's anything that's easy to put on the back burner and on the back shelf, it's spending time with God in secret. Christ told the disciples, he said, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said, but when you pray. He said, enter in thy closet and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which seeth in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Oh my, I wonder, I wonder if our prayer closets have gotten cold. Seeing that we're looking for such things, we ought to be diligent about our service. But we ought to be diligent about the secret place. God help us to be diligent about our separation. Amen. Amen. Oh, God help us to be diligent. Listen, if we're not diligent about it, it's going to start slipping. I mean, it's easy. Oh, it's so easy just to let it slip just a little bit and be like, well, so-and-so is doing that. And, and I saw pictures of them on Facebook, and, and, and that, they're okay. And it's okay if I do that, too. It's easy to kind of let that gap, dear friend, begin to separate between what God's Word said and what we're doing. And God help us to be diligent about our separation. God helps. Listen, the Apostle Paul, he made it real clear. He said that we are epistles known and read of all men. He said, you're an epistle, you're a letter known and read of all men. Here's the thing, folks down at your job place and your neighbors across the street and the people that you're around every day, good possibility they're never going to pick up the Bible and begin to read the wonderful words of life. Good possibility they're not. But they're reading your life and they're reading my life. And that's what God's saying. We're epistles known and read of all men. Separation isn't, isn't just separation from the world, but it's separation unto God. And God help us to realize today that we don't just dress a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way and live a certain way just because uh, we want to impress the people around us because you won't be doing it for long if that's the reason you're doing it. But God help us. Christ said, be ye holy. For I am holy. And God help us to remember the reason why we try to separate from the world. It's not so that we can just get a pat on our back. Or it's not so we can post a picture of ourselves on social media and say, look, I'm still on the old time way. Hey, no, ain't about that. Oh, it's about living, dear friend, and being a light to a lost and a dark world. Hey, if they can't see a difference in your life, they ain't going to want what you have. If, they can, if, if I don't dress different and act different and talk different, and if I'm not different by the grace of God, if I'm not different, if I'm not different, there's no need for them to ask about what I have or to listen when I present the gospel to them. There's not. You talk about trying to go into Jewish communities and, and reach Orthodox Jews. And I can't tell you how many times and how many instances that folks have gone into those communities and, I mean, a burden in their heart and a desire to see them reach with the gospel. And yet, I mean, you can't wear a pair of shorts and go down to an Orthodox community and stand out there, I mean, dear friend, and, and just dressing in a casual, uh, lax way like you don't really care and just, and just out there, I want to give you the gospel. Dear friend, they'll laugh in your face and they don't have any problem doing that because from their perspective, from their mindset, well, I'm living holier than he is. I mean, if what he has is the truth, it ought to at least make him dress a little bit different. I mean, there ought to be something different about it. And that's the whole reason why God gave Israel the law. He wanted a peculiar people. He wanted a different people. He wanted someone to act different, to look different, to walk different. That's what God wanted. And dear friend, he, he wants the same thing from us today. Oh, be ye holy for I'm a God. Help us to be diligent about our separation. God, help us to be diligent about our separation. Yeah, the world may not read the Bible, but they're reading our life. And I wonder, I wonder, Brother Terry, if they picked up a book on Samuel Freed, I wonder if there's enough gospel in my life to lead someone to Christ. 
If someone picked up a book about your life tonight, I mean, is there enough gospel in your life story? Has there been a definite enough change in your life? Have you walked with God enough? Have you told people enough about Jesus that when they read your life story, they can say, oh my, he was a Christian. He loved God. Something different about him. Oh, God help us to be diligent tonight. Oh, not only about our service, not only about our soul winning, not only, dear friend, about the secret place, but God be God help us to be diligent about our sanctification. Oh, my. That, that He might sanctify. First Thessalonians, God said that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. We need to get back in the Bible. Amen. Oh, we need to get back in the Bible. We need to get back, dear friend, in the secret place. We need to get back, dear friend. The old time way is, is, is the Word of God. That's what it is. That's the, this right here is the ancient landmark. Amen. This is it. This is the ancient landmark. God help us to get back to the Word of God. Oh, I'm telling you, dear friend, tonight, sinners are dying and going to hell all around us. Dying and going to hell. Are we being diligent? Do we care? Do we care? Are we worried about their souls? Am I worried about their souls? If I'm not worried, how can we expect them to be worried? Up there in uh, Milwaukee last week, sister, if you want to go ahead and start playing, I'm, I, I am done. There in Milwaukee last week, where the Hatfield was making this statement, there's a, there's a dear fellow they've been trying to witness to for 16 years. First name is Joe. When he started coming to the church there, he was an atheist. Devout atheist. And he was just interested. They had invited him and met him out in the community, I believe, and started coming to the church services there. And over these past 16 years, Joe has gone from being an atheist to being an agnostic. And, and now, Brother Gravel, he's a Bible believer. I mean, believe it or not, he really is. I mean, he has no problem believing that. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the only way to heaven. And well, went over there and talked with Joe this past last week at his house. Remember the Hatfield did, and God opened the door. We ended up talking for over forty-five minutes. And Joe still hasn't gotten saved. He believes the Word of God, and uh, but he's not saved. And Brother Hatfield began to just pour his heart out to him and preaching to him one more time. I mean, sixteen years of preaching to Joe and. One more time, a burden. We're having to begin weeping. And he said, Joe, he said, you know the word of God. He said, you know, he said, you believe the word of God from your own testimony. He said, Joe, he said, why won't you get saved? He said, you know you don't have. He said, you know eternity is, is too long to play games with. He said, Joe, he said, you know you're not promised another day. He said, Joe, why won't you get saved? And preacher, I've never seen this quite like this. Joe looked at both of us and he said, well, he said, he said, I need to get saved. I know I do. He said, but I'm, I'm scared to death that if I get saved, God's going to ask me to go and stand there on the street corner and preach. That's what he said. And uh, he said, I'm scared that if it's not that, if I get saved, God's going to have me to go to Alaska and be a missionary. And he said, I'm not willing to surrender. And Brother Hatfield's standing there with tears in his eyes. And, and Joe's standing over there crying. But you want to know what? The reason why Joe knows all about that stuff is because he's seen those dear church folks. And he's seen them live for God. He knows what a Christian looks like. 
And he hasn't heard a health and wealth prosperity gospel. He's heard the word of God. And dear friend, listen, Joe doesn't have to surrender to be a missionary to Alaska in order to get saved. He sets something up in his heart as an idol, though. And he has to be willing to. That's what it comes down to. And, and uh, he, came, he promised to come to church that Tuesday night, the missions conference. And uh, through those days leading up to that, we were praying for him. Hatfield was making the announcements that he was going to be there. And he does attend regularly, but he, he's going to come that Tuesday night. And he made this statement, and it just the whole reason I told you that story tonight, he made this statement. He said, you know, he said, a lot of times we'll pray for the lost and say, oh, God, will you convict them? And they need conviction. Oh, God, will you give them a holy fear of your judgment? And they need fear of the judgment of God. Sometimes you'll even hear this. Oh, God, will you keep them awake at night and not let them sleep? But Hatfield made this statement. He said, he said, how come we're praying that God will keep lost sinners awake when we won't even stay awake and pray for them? He said, maybe, he said, maybe if we get a burden, and this is the truth, and this is the word of God, we know he can go forth and weepeth. Bearing precious seed. So doubtless come again with rejoicing. Bringing the sheaves with him. But he made that statement. He said, if we won't stay up all night and pray for sinners. He said, why do we expect God to keep them up all night? The Lord's not willing that any should perish. All these things are getting ready to be dissolved. We don't have long to wait, dear friend. Christ is coming back. We may get to experience a good amount of persecution before he does. Brother Allen would always say the church was born in the fire and it's going to go out in the fire. And, you know, back 20 years ago as kids sitting on the pews there at Concord, I used to think to myself, well, that's never going to happen in America. I mean, how could that happen in America? We can see it now. We can see it now. And, and listen, we may get to face some loss of possessions and loss of freedom and, and loss of liberty before we're called out of here. There ain't, I mean, it's not like American Christians are some special echelon of Christianity that, that we shouldn't face all of our forefathers faced, is it? I mean, I mean, I mean, they've been dying in Sudan and North Korea and China for years and years and years. And, and God helps us. We ain't no better than they are. And I believe, I believe our freedoms are worth defending. I do. I believe that. God gave them to us. Our country was founded upon these principles right here. And many men have died so that we could have the freedom. But listen, there ain't nothing special about us, though. We don't, we don't just deserve our freedom that God's given us. It's been a gift from God. What I'm saying is it may not be here for very long. And I hold oh my shudder to think. I mean, who's to say that it could become unlegal? It could become unlegal very soon just to assemble like we are right now in the house of God. There are states in America where it is tonight. I shudder to think what five or six months from now may be like and a whole bunch of freedom's gone. I, I don't want to look back and say, oh God, I wish... I would have done more. I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have told some more people about you. I wish I would have prayed more. I don't want to look back and say that I'm going to say that, but I don't want to by the grace of God. I believe you don't either tonight. Seeing that all these things should be dissolved, one way or another, dear friend, it ain't going to last forever. What manner of persons ought you to be? All holy conversation and godliness, looking, looking, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ.